This is Small Talk with 101 ESPN's Michelle Smallman. What's up, everybody? We are back. It is episode 145 of Small Talk. Your host, Steve Cerruti and Michelle Smallman are here with you. And we took a week off. We warned you heading into the summer that it was going to be a summer of plans and that you're going to get the pod when you get it. But Cerruti was on vacation for a week. He was out west. So welcome back, Steve. Fill me in on how your trip was. Yeah, I wouldn't call it vacation, although we had a great time. We were in the Bay Area with uh, I was with my wife. We were visiting our in-laws, her sister and brother-in-law, who had a baby in November that we haven't been able to see until now, which has been literally killing Maddie. Uh, so yes. we finally got to meet Lainey, who is our, our new niece. And it was awesome. It was a, kind of my first time around a baby for a long period of time. I mean, we really just kind of hung out with the baby and, you know, sort of appeased her and let my sort of uh, brother and sister-in-law relax a little bit while we were there. And it was interesting to say the least. I think, you know, Maddie and I have been kicking around, Hey, you know, when are we going to have kids kind of thing? And maybe her a little bit more than I have, but it was my first intro into, Oh, this is what having a baby is like. And now she's what she was born in November. So I think she's six, seven months old. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, she's not a potato baby. Like she smiles. She has kind of a personality. She moves around. You can't walk or really crawl yet, but she enjoys things. She laughs. She's not just one of those babies that cries, eats and poops and that's it. So it was my first intro into babies. And I, I don't know. I don't really know how to feel. Well, as someone who's been around babies a lot, especially babies in that age range a lot over the past few years, It's all smiles and baby giggles and leg rolls until shit gets real. And when shit gets real, what is shit getting real? When the baby has a meltdown or something happens and it cannot be soothed, it's like your future flashes before your eyes and you're like, wow, shit changed on a dime. (laughs) And it just got so real. And is this going to be my life one day? And can I handle that? Yeah. And she is very rolly. She's kind of Michelin Manny. Um, she has a, anyone who's seen my wife, they have curly hair. They're Lebanese. Mm-hmm. They have curly hair. So she has kind of this weird haircut where it's very short on the side, but she has this curl on top. It's almost like a very hipster haircut, but she's never had a haircut before. It's just naturally that way. So she's a very, very cute baby. And you know, I'm on record. I don't know if I've said it on this pod, but you know, I'm on record. I don't particularly find babies very cute. I don't really like babies that much, to be honest with you. I, I think toddlers are cool because you can do shit with them and have fun and they're more playful and they can talk and they run around. And yeah, I know it's a little bit more dangerous, but still. Uh, So I'm not a big baby guy, but she was fun to be around. I will say that she laughed all the time. She had a hilarious laugh. Um, And she only had, I think, like two meltdowns, really, when we were there one night when they had a date night. So Maddie and I watched her and she just could not be soothed. And I was like, Maddie looked at me and she's like, please don't get too afraid. Is this going to freak Steve out? And he's going to like push this thing back two years now. It didn't, but it was definitely like, holy shit. It was all like the honeymoon phase when we first got there. And then when she had her first real meltdown, I was like, fuck, what the hell do I do now? <laughs> yeah. I don't know how to turn this off. Like, there's nothing. Happening? Yeah. There's nothing. I was playing with, the, we had, there was a light machine that played different music and soothing sounds. We were reading books and it nothing. There was nothing that was going to make her feel better. And the shitty thing is it's probably something so dumb. Either they're hungry or they have a dirty diaper or I don't know. They get startled. It's nothing crazy that would make a baby cry or she's teething too. So that was a problem. Uh, she would have to suck on this ice thing that would make her feel better. So I'm sure that wasn't super comfortable for her. Maybe she was mad about that, but mm-hmm. it's just so frustrating. Cause you're like, I have no idea what you're crying, but you're screaming bloody murder. Um, I just want to go back to one thing that you said. Maddie has sent me many a photo of baby Lainey mm. and can confirm she is the cutest baby I've ever seen in my life. It, she it's, has this curly faux hawk and these big, bright blue eyes with amazing lashes and many a leg roll. She mm-hmm. is very, very cute. 
Yeah. If there was no bend, you would never be able to tell where her knee was. There's just <laughs> multiple roles and you're like, which pick one? One could be a knee. One could be an ankle. I don't really know. Totally. And that rolly chubby baby stage is the best. And then they start to grow out and they lose some of that weight. And you're like, damn it, I miss those leg rolls. So let's go through the phase of children then. So, okay, okay. you have the baby. It looks like an alien. It's gray, yeah. may or may not have hair. It's you know, it's you. screaming, it's sleep, eat shit. That's it for like what, six mm -hmm. months, probably, or maybe less than that, but around there. Yeah. Then you get to the cute baby phase, right? Where they start to have some personality, they get some color in their skin, they laugh, um, but then they start teething, right? And then they start grabbing things and they can kind of move around. They're a little more mobile, right? You can put them on the floor, they're maybe not walking yet. And then they do crawl and then they do walk and then you gotta worry about that. And then what is the toddler phase where- okay. Where's the infant? What's an infant? Well, an infant has to be when you're first born. No, no, no. That's a newborn. Hang on. Infant, I think is. Infant maybe is where Blaney is. I don't know. She's like around six months. Stand I don't by, know. I'll tell you. Infants can be considered children anywhere from birth to one years old. Oh, okay. That, that's her. So, so that's her. Yeah, okay. So she's an infant. I don't think an infant is. Yeah. I would, I don't think any infants are over a year. So that does make sense. So then what's <laughs> the, the next phase is what toddler probably, toddler, right? Which is I like think, two, yeah. one, two to like four or five, maybe. Does that okay, make sense? Toddler is one to three years. Okay. So then that's when the kid starts looking like a kid. You can kind of tell what the mom or the dad, whether it looks like one or the other, more personality traits start coming out, but they also probably are getting a little more trouble because they can move around. You have to constantly be on the, on the lookout for what they're doing, what they're picking up, what they're putting in their mouths. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's dangerous. And then what's after that? I guess it would be like the pre-K. Yeah. And preschool phase. You're, going, you're four plus you're going to school. And then you get some reprieve, right? The parents can kind of sit back. Okay, we're sending our kid to school every day and they're coming back. But there's a lot of things that go into that. And then you have, you know, elementary school, the middle school. And then I, I've always said, I think middle school is just without a doubt. Like we talk about high school. To me, middle school is the most awkward phase in any kid's life. Middle school is so weird because the gap between who matures and who doesn't is so wild that I kind of feel like you could have a girl or a guy that's way past puberty or has a beard or the girl is fully developed. And then you have a kid like me who still looks like he's a toddler. Uh, so that, that was my middle school experience. Has there ever been a truly hot middle schooler? Because even- We might get we, ourselves in trouble here. So I don't know. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, okay, hold on. Let me rephrase that. Because- Phrasing, we, yeah. Phrasing. <laughs> when we were in middle school, there was probably someone in middle school where we're like, oh- you know, Derek V is mm. so hot or whatever. Yeah, but then, Veronica, uh, Abercrombie T, 100%. See, yep. there you go. Veronica, Caprice. when you're in middle school, there's someone you think is hot, but then you look back and they look just as dumpy and weird as you did. Yeah, no, for sure. And they did uh, not look hot. And then even just the attitudes. I know high school gets all the like, although the attitude problems, man, middle school attitude problems are, I feel like are almost even worse because they're still really not allowed to be on their own kind of. They're just first starting to be on their own, but they feel like they've been around for a hundred years and they're like these elders and you're like, no, you're still 10 or right. 11 relax yeah. you don't know shit um yeah so middle school very very weird and then you get to high school and it must be so weird watching your kid grow up too and seeing your kid as an adult i always think about that with my parents you know, i'm 30 now imagine being like yeah my kid's 30 what the hell was happening what the hell happened in my life i don't know i just think these different stages of who your child are are so fascinating you know what i think is interesting is when parents truly feel like they can let go right because I remember when my parents dropped me off at college and it was hysterics on both oh, yeah. sides. I, I was looking at my parents being like, can I do this? And they were looking at me being like, I don't know if you can, kid. <laughs> Fingers <laughs> like, crossed. We're really hoping that you can do this. And then when He's I got the rosary beads out. <laughs> yeah. Rosary beads. And then when I graduated college, you know, I'm, I'm moving in on my own. And I remember my parents being there when my friend Casey and I moved into our first apartment and me kind of looking at them being like, can I do this? And then being like, I don't know. We sure hope you we'll can. We'll find out. 
Yep. Sure, hope you can. And, you know, at some point, obviously we're in our thirties now, but there's still that thing that our parents have where we're their kids and, you know, they want to make sure that things are okay. And I'm sure that they think about us still every day and wonder how we're doing and probably check in with us. And it just never goes away. That feeling of wanting to protect and care for your child. And that's what scares me is that I'm a very task oriented person. I really love a checklist. I like when things are done, but it's not like, Oh, your kid's 18. They're off on college. Mm -hmm. We're good here. Check it off the list. We've raised our kids. It's time for us to go and do our own. I've always thought now, but to to not to interrupt you, but there, I think there are some parents that will be like, all right, well, 18, not my responsibility anymore. And, you know, I've known some who have babied their kids too much and have Mm -hmm. to the point where, because I think there's, there's two sides of this coin as always the truth and the right answer probably lies somewhere in the middle, but they're, they're the parents that baby their kids into their late teens, into their, into college, into their professional lives. And those are the kids that can't adjust and can't do anything on their own, mm-hmm. um, which is probably the worst case scenario. I would argue that the kid that gets kicked out at 18 is probably a, is going to be more equipped for life because he's seen some shit and he knows that the real world has hit him a little bit, um, he or her. So, but those two, I've seen both kind of sides of that parent, especially at college. And, you know, you and I were probably somewhere in the middle where I think my dad always knew, like, give him some space. My dad's motto, which I, I just, I think my dad, one of the reasons he's a great dad is because it, he just had a perfect outlook on it was I'm going to let you kind of do your thing. But if you fuck up, not only I'm not going to be pissed off, but it's on you. And I think that's the way to do it. You, this is not parenting quarter one-on-one from two people who don't have kids, but right, totally. I just know from my parents' perspective, I appreciate the way my dad handled that because he, he would be like, all right, you can go out and you can do this. And, you know, but if you're not home by this time, or if you get in trouble, then the consequences are on you. And, and I knew that there were consequences to be held. So I always appreciated and like, I needed that boundary, but he still let me go out and make my own mistakes, if that makes sense. I agree. I think that one of the best things you can do as a parent, and again, two people who don't have kids (laughs) giving parenting advice, is let your kids fail. Because when you do finally cut the cord or you let them leave the nest, you're going to fail in life. And when you get thrown into the deep end, whether it's with your job or your personal life or your financial life, you're going to have to figure out how to swim, right? And we talked Mm -hmm. about that last pod about how we felt like schools should really, from an education standpoint, equip people better to know how to swim. But there's many times where I failed in my life. I'm sure it was very hard for my parents to see me miserable because I had failed when they could have easily swooped in and made it better. They didn't. And I feel like those lessons are super valuable, but that's got to kill parents to watch their kids flailing about, but know that in the long run, this is beneficial to them, but that has to totally suck back to my original point that never goes away. So after you were in San Francisco and you just got a small taste of that, are you ready for that? Are you ready for it to never go away? No, but, I, but, but here's the thing. And I've always said this about kids. I don't think you ever are ready. I don't think there's ever a point in your life where it's like, yep. All right, cool. I'm ready to be a dad now. You're just a dad, you know, you, and you figure it out and you move along in life. Um, but really quickly to, to go back to your, to the point we were talking about before, before we move on that whole boundaries thing and letting people fail and adversity in parenting uh, or letting your kids have adversity and experience it and fail and succeed and figure it out on their own. It reminds me a lot of basketball players when they're coming up and a lot of these like the AAU circuits, right? You're going to think this is funny, but some of the AAU kids, they only play on good teams where they're the best player and they could always take the shot and everything is perfect and nothing ever goes wrong for them. So they're really good. Like, oh yeah, I'm really good in this situation, right? Where I have awesome teammates and everything's great going on around me. But oftentimes the case, the best NBA players and the best basketball players, the reason that they develop into that is because 
they weren't the best player on their team and they had to fight for, and they had to do something different. And they had this motivation, this drive behind them because they weren't maybe the best coming out or they maybe were shorter or maybe they weren't as athletic. So they had to do other things that got them to that point. I think the same thing is in parenting. If everything is, you know, rosy, that's why a lot of rich kids, you know, who have everything handed to them. I don't, I don't want to do a sweeping generalization here, but the idea would be that, okay, they never really had to like earn anything in their life. So they don't really know the value of failure and money and whatever. And a lot of those kids just, you know, they could be like trust fund kids and they don't actually ever do anything with their lives. Um, and that's why you also see a lot of people who come from the bottom because they knew they had to work to get to where they didn't want to be there anymore. So I just think it's an interesting situation. And, and that's kind of how, again, this is how I'll close parenting one-on-one, but I think that's how I would want to be as a dad. Also, it's great for parents, especially in today's world to instill patience in their kids, because I see a lot. I, know, I, don't, have, I don't have enough. I don't, I don't I, have enough either. And, but I especially see kids who are just getting into our industry that are graduating and we're like a year out of college. And they're like, why am I not hosting my own show? Well, and they there don't is a lot of entitlement. There is a right. lot of entitlement with, and this is going to sound again, we're, we're going to sound old, we and, are old. but well, I already stated in the past that we are old, so it's fine. And I'm sure the generation before us thought this about us too, 100%. but man, I feel like the Gen Z crowd is so entitled. You know, it's why don't I have this? Why don't I have that? Why isn't everything perfect? Because well, everything life's not life perfect, has, man. Has been candid to them though, right? And they've never had to really sit and work on the exercise of patience. And we had a little bit of that, but as technology has advanced, they can get whatever they want with one click yeah. and it's there at their door, you know? So yeah. I don't even necessarily blame them. It's just the environment in which they grew up. But I will, I want to say one thing. I was thinking about you last night, speaking uh, of an, an exercise in patience, watching Chris Paul, who has worked his entire career man. and really had to wonder if he was ever going to get it, but never stopped working, get to the NBA finals. I was so pumped for him, especially because in Hoops with the Roots, I believe it was the last edition of Hoops with the mm -hmm. Roots, the entire theme was respect Chris Paul. Res oh, is that Chris Paul right now? <laughs> I wish it was, oh, no. <laughs> But you had really, you know, laid it out for a lot of us who don't follow the NBA every single day, the way that you do about what an excellent player he is and has been and just the way he's worked and the impact he's had on his teams. And so to get to see him get that moment, and I hope that they win the NBA finals, but just to, to see him get that moment last night after putting in so much work for so many years, I was like, you know what? That's a good example for all of these kids out there that think that everything should come. It's not that easy. And sometimes you're going to have to really struggle before you make it. I would encourage anyone to go and listen to what are we recording this on a Thursday? It was Thursday's edition of the Rosillo pod. Um, Cause no one is a bigger Chris Paul fan than Rosillo. He's just defended him for years and years and years when people are like, Oh, he can't win. He's never been to a conference finals. Oh, now he's never been to a finals. And now people say, Oh, he's never won an NBA finals. I'm sure if he doesn't win, which I think they probably will too. But the way he put it was, he just gives a fuck more than everybody else does. He's everything you'd want in a basketball player. And I think going back to our previous point, one of the things that makes him great is he's like five, 11, six feet tall. Like I wouldn't, I mean, nothing against him. He's not a great athlete either. He's kind of pudgy, but he's just fucking, he's so competitive and he's so smart and he's become so skilled at what he does. And the other thing, like he flops, but everybody in the NBA flops and he complains about calls, but everybody, and he's not a perfect guy in that way, but I just can tell that he gives a shit more than anyone else. That's why I've always been, I've always had sympathy for guys like Russell Westbrook too, even though Westbrook is just not as cerebral, I would say, as Chris Paul is. Westbrook is just like, go, 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 go. I want it so bad. But I think he freezes up and gets a little bit weird in certain big spots. But uh, I've always respected Westbrook too, because I just know he cares, you know, and mm -hmm. in life and anything, in any of those circumstances, people who 
give a shit are the people that you want to be around. And that's why I've always been drawn to guys like Chris Paul. I was very pumped to see him advance because people who listen to this podcast, Hoops Switch to Roots, we were all in the Chris Paul bandwagon. But before we move on quickly, I feel like it will be a major upset if the Suns don't win, right? With Giannis out and with... Oh, don't you just feel like if the Suns don't win, it's going to be a big time upset? You know, people are like, oh, this is going to be the lowest rated finals in history. Who who fucking cares? If you like basketball, watch the games. I don't understand why people care about that. It's such a weird argument to me. But... I will say it probably will be a low-rated one because the Suns aren't a huge draw. Like LeBron, KD, you know, Steph, they're not in it. They're not in the finals, so they're not even in the conference finals. I think watching Devin Booker play is so fun. He is, 100%. You won't get an argument there from me, Uh, but the ratings will probably be down. It is what it is. It's fine. But I was really looking forward to Suns-Bucks because they're different teams, but they're two kind of teams that I think deserve to win a title, and probably this is their best shot because of LeBron AD get going down, the Lakers went out, Kevin Durant, get, uh, Harden gets hurt, you know, Kyrie gets hurt, so the Nets are out. So this was kind of this unique window for those two teams, and for Giannis to go down in an injury that looked horrific and somehow is still probably bad, but he didn't tear anything in his knee, so you never – I would have guessed. I don't think there has been a timetable yet. I would guess he's not going to play again, at least in the, in the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, and then, you know, obviously if they lose, they're out, if they win, we'll see about the finals, but you're right. I'd probably be a favorite to see the Hawks and, and sons. And I have to say, I'm probably biased about Trey young because I, I didn't necessarily think it would work in the NBA when he came out of Oklahoma. And I've been proven very wrong on that. And I'm still mm-hmm. stubborn being like, no, it's not going to work. This is the bull, this is a bullshit year, the post COVID year, asterisk, you know, all this mm-hmm. shit. I'll talk myself into that, but you got to give him props because he's been awesome. But if the Suns were to lose, the Suns are a better team. The Sun, I think the Suns are a better team than a healthy Bucks team, even with Giannis and a Hawks team. Mm-hmm. So uh, I do think the Suns will win the title, but I would have loved to have seen Giannis be able to try and at least make his first NBA Finals too. So it's probably going to suck. Agreed. So speaking of sports, since we last spoke, I got to go to the U.S. Women's Gymnastics Finals for the Olympic oh, Trials. Boom. They were here in St. Louis, and I've always been a huge fan of the Olympic gymnasts, especially the women. You know, growing up, I grew up in the Carrie Strug. Dominique Dawes, Dominique Mociano, the Magnificent Seven era, where mm-hmm. I used to wear a leotard and a zip-up jacket and do somersaults off my couch and mm-hmm. stick the landing, and my dad would give me a score. You know, I idolized those girls. You were in a gymnastics girl growing up. You were you were a soccer girl, soccer. right? Now. Yeah, I was always because the gymnastics yeah. kids though they were they were always in a weird click. You know, the gymnastics mm-hmm. kids, and they were always obviously way shorter. Uh, my, one of my good friends is a gymnastics kid. And one of the pluses, we would be able to go to his gym and we would you know, mess around with the foam pit and like, jump off trampolines and shit. It was wild when we were in high school. But I always find it weird that like different sports have clicks, but I feel like the gymnastics click was always very pronounced. It was like, oh, they're the yeah. gymnastics kids, you know? Yeah, yeah. Those are the tumblers. Yeah, yep. yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's right. The tumblers. Um, to get to see those women live, in particular, Simone Biles, it took my breath away. It is unbelievable what they can do with their bodies. You watch it on TV. And of course it's amazing to be right there and watch them sprint down a runway and fling their body onto a vault and flip around and see how high they actually get in real life. It was stunning. And I just respect them so much. And we interviewed Shannon Miller, um, who actually is the most decorated women's gymnastics Olympian, which is surprising. What up? Okay. I mean, Simone will likely beat that. Yeah. People think she's the best athlete going right now in sports. Did you watch her performance on floor at all? 
I don't know if you I actually, like, so of it or anything. I it didn't was, see I, her specifically, but I did see some of it. And it got me thinking like, who invented the vault thing where it's like, let me, yeah, as you described it, let me just run as fast as I can and fling myself off of this like, horse thing. I'm yeah. like, who invented that? But I did see some, but I didn't see her. Okay. So her floor routine, she sprints from corner to corner and what she is able to make her body do, it just defies logic. Mm-hmm. It is insane. And okay, so I learned a lot about gymnastics and about the scoring when I was there. Shout out to my friend Joey, who who came with me. And Joey, Joey loves gymnastics and he really- Gotta know about the Russian judge. Always tough. So each person who was competing, they give the judges their routine prior. And then that routine is ranked on a scale of difficulty. And then you have your difficulty score and then your execution of that. Simone's level, her skill level is so much higher than everyone's. Her difficulty is so much higher than everyone's that Steve, she messed up on almost every single part of the all around score. She messed up on the beam. She messed up a little bit on floor. She stepped out of bounds twice. The uneven bars, she messed up. That on shit that a is bit nuts, too. by it's the nuts. way. But she messed up on all of that, which would have derailed anyone's. She still won the all around by a mile because her difficulty yeah. is so great. But I was watching her and this, this balance beam is so narrow. Mm-hmm. And these women are flipping around and flipping off of it like it's no big thing. And again, you watch it on TV and it's, it's shocking there. But I'm going to bring it back to parents again. I said to my friend Joey when we were there, I go, I could barely watch these girls. Sometimes on the uneven bars, a girl would fall and see if she would fall flat on her face, mm-hmm. flat on her face. And she would pop right back up. But I'm like, I got nauseous watching them fall. I'm like, as a parent, I don't know how you watch your kid do that year after year. Just mm-hmm. throw their body around like that. And to be a gymnast, the dedication that it takes and the amount of hours and training that you have to put in to get to that level is well, any Olympian really, but gymnastics specifically, because it's such a finely tuned sport, you know, it's your routine and this specific skill set. It's unbelievable. So I was really pumped to get to go to that. And I cannot wait to watch them in Tokyo. Yeah. Um, I'm not a big Olympics guy. Shocker, shocker. Um, but Ooh, hates America noted. Um, well, okay. I'll be watching the gold cup and don't worry about it. And I'll be watching the world cup in a couple of years. Uh, well actually next year. Um, but I would, I would encourage you to your point about seeing this stuff live and up in person, up close in person. It's the, it's the same way I feel about if you go to an NBA game and sit near the floor, you watch this on TV and you're like, Oh yeah, yeah, whatever. And you watch it on the floor when you can actually, when you're you know a couple of yards away from these guys, and you're just like, what the, f-? like, these are alien people. Like, mm-hmm. what is happening okay. right now? Like, I'm not the same species as this person. The product at home for sports has become so great where it's like, no, you know, it's almost like you don't have to go to any arena or whatever anymore. But for that factor alone, to be able to see it up close in person, not in the nosebleeds, which I've sat there plenty of times. So no disrespect to anyone that's in the nosebleeds. Um, sometimes it's more fun up there anyway. But uh, if you can sit close to an, in an NBA game, and I'd imagine it's the same in a football game. Like I remember being on the sideline for the Alabama Clemson National Championship game. And you're just like, oh my God, one of them. Um, and it was the one where Clemson won. And yeah, when Deshaun threw that touchdown in the corner, I was with yeah, you. Yeah. And it was right, happened right in front of us. And I'm like, these guys, and these guys were all younger than me too at the time. They're they're in college and we were, you know, in our probably mid twenties, late twenties. And you're just like, this is fucking nuts. I've never even dreamt of being this good of an athlete. And I've loved sports and watched it my entire life. When you are on the sidelines or, you know, one of the, the closer rows for an NFL game or a college football game, and you see, and more importantly, hear a big tackle being made in person. I'm like, 
I would be probably paralyzed or I would be unable to walk for weeks. And the fact that these guys pop up and they're able to not only play that game, but then play 15 other weeks, however many other weeks that they have to play. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Again, it's probably more fun in the bleachers or up higher because you have to get a little more rowdy, but I just think for scale, same thing with hockey. When you see a guy really get checked into the boards and hockey, or you can get up close on the glass and see how fast they're skating and just the power required <laughs> to be an NHL player. I don't know. I just think seeing athletes up close and really getting a good look at what they're able to accomplish and then comparing it to yourself and everyone, you know, in real life, you're like, yeah, you know, we shouldn't be that critical of these athletes. So <laughs> because they're actually really amazing. <laughs> I used to work with this guy named Brian Scalabrini and he is a white ginger basketball player who mm-hmm. played for the Celtics, played for the bulls, uh, went to USC and his nickname is the white Mamba. He's the like Mamba, a legendary yeah. type guy. Right. I uh, loved in Boston because he played there, won a title with the Celtics. And I remember talking to guys, even when I was growing up, because he was playing, you know, in the NBA when I think I was in probably high school and even into college a little bit. And the guys would be like, oh, Scalabrini is not even that good. Like I could be Scalabrini one-on-one. And you're like, Brian Scalabrini, he's the, the last man on the bench, doesn't play a ton. But this dude is still six seven, six eight, wet jumper, strong as fuck athletic still sneaky athletic i mean i know that the white turn what for white players is sneaky athletic but he is sneaky mm-hmm. athletic the idea like the average person would be like oh yeah i could take that guy and some people do that about WNBA players too like oh WNBA, and you're like she would fucking smoke you 11 nothing in a game of one-on-one at the ymca and you would be embarrassed period she would, she would humiliate anyone and we have this this idea and this inflated ego of what we can be and how good we are. I remember that this guy in high school was like, oh, I could walk on at UConn. I'm like, dude, you don't even play on the high school. Team. What do you mean you're going to walk on at UConn basketball? They've just won a national championship. You fucking idiot. Um, the inflated ego of people who think that they you know, can be a good athlete or just as, or not that far off of the pros, the gap between professional athletes and like the really good college players is fucking massive. Mm-hmm. And then think about where you are as like a normal person. The, it's, a dad bot on your yeah yeah so those. like miss me with that to to you know to use the term that i hate um miss me with that on the oh yeah you're just gonna be blown away with how talented some of these people are one of my favorite videos is when scal uh those kids challenged scal to what was it three on three or was it one-on-one i, can't I think remember. it was one-on-one for shoes at a gym somewhere and then scout yeah you just smoke because he he's bigger humiliated them but yeah. they were like oh we got this you haven't played in a while you know you know the white mamba and he humiliated them even now he humiliated them so i thought that that was awesome now that we are up to date, I guess, as much as we can be. Oh, we didn't even mention there's gonna be no video. Oh yeah. Pod, yeah. We should have we should have started with this. This is a what are we at half an hour in? This is a mistake on our part. Don't so make miss. me laugh. I can't laugh. <laughs> I mean <laughs> I had now some, I want to. I had some dental work done today and my face is numb. And it's only mm-hmm. numb from the tip of my nose down to my upper lip but I cannot move it. And I look kind of like Ducky from a land before time meets a real housewife. Mm-hmm. Steve thought I had my plastic surgery done. Yeah. I thought you had Botox or filler injected directly into your mouth. That's what it looks like, no, um, which is no, not no. true for those out there. We don't want anybody gossiping or you know leaking this stuff to the press. Nope. There's no, that's right. It's all real, but you know, your girl had to get, you know, a little bit of dental work done. No big deal. But I can't, I can't, I can't laugh. I can't move my face and it's very, not only uncomfortable, but it doesn't look great. So no. we're just not going to release the video because I really don't need 
that screenshot going around of me looking like this. I just, I don't need it in my life. So apologies for those who view us on YouTube, but you're going to have to get an audio only pod. this. this yeah, no, nah, it's okay. We'll skip this one. It's totally fair, but it is funny. I mean, you look like you just had plastic surgery, like just had plastic surgery. So you look like those real housewives, but also like still some rawness to it. If we're being honest. So, um, it's so, so, so it's, it's an interesting scene. It's not making funny or anything, but it, it's a funny scene of what could be in this. Now you're saying this has deterred you from ever even thinking about getting plastic surgery in the future. Yes. Because we are, as we know, we are a very pro plastic surgery podcast. Everybody knows. We're this. very pro. I know a lot of people who've gotten their lips done and they look great. And I've always wondered what I would look like if I got them done. I never really thought I would do it, but you know, curiosity, you kind of want to know what you would look like. And now? I have seen what it would look like if I would get my top lip done because it is swollen and I can't move it. Your entire upper lip does not move. That's what's so funny. Like your lower jaw is moving, but the top of your face is not. (laughs) Uh, You're like a nutcracker or you're like a a puppet where the person's moving their mouth with their hand or whatever. Only one part of the jaw works. So it's, it's actually kind of insane. It's a ventriloquist. Yes, the ventriloquist. There you go. Yeah, it looks like you, I mean, again, I'm not trying to be a dick, but- it's true. What are we going to do? Um, it looks like I, someone is physically moving your lower jaw to make you talk. I texted you earlier and was like, Hey, oh, I don't think we're going to be able to do the video this week because my mouth is still swollen from this dental work. And you're like, yeah, yeah, no worries. And then when you saw me on camera, you were like, Oh yes. It's worse than I thought. <laughs> yeah. I didn't, I was like, Oh cool. Like minor surgery. No big deal. Like it'll be fine. Uh, I was like, Oh, if you could speak and you're probably fine. Hopped on. And I was like, Oh, Okay. Okay. Like, nope. Wow, totally get it. Nope. We're going to, so we're going to face is numb. Cool. No video today. Check. Okay. You know, what's so weird about it too, is they give you, what is it? Novocaine? Was that yeah. what it's called? And Anytime like, you get Novocaine in your mouth, like totally fucks your entire face up though. It could be anywhere in your face or your mouth. You're going to have a droopy side and a tight yes. side. It's all fucked up. It really does take like a good day for you to, you know, sort of wear that off. It's unbelievable too, because it, you know, the work I had was on the upper, not the lowers. And I couldn't feel my nose teeth for hours. It gets up in your nerves or whatever that's in your upper gums. And I couldn't feel my, I went to blow my nose and I couldn't feel it. You were, uh, like, you were the is- weekend. Can't feel your face. Nice. I still For a different like, reason. I look like the weekend when he had that plastic surgery wrap. Wait, that makes me ask, is I can't feel my face because they're doing so much coke. Is that why? Okay. I don't want to clear that up. Good. Okay. Noted. Just dawned yeah. on me. I, I don't really listen to that song, but now I'm like, wait, what is that? Oh, Coke. There you go. It's not dental work. It's cocaine. It's cocaine. Nice. Yes. Nice. Good. Good. Okay. Well, good now reason. that we got that out of the way, sorry for those of you who enjoyed No. Yeah. We should have told you that earlier. Should have led with that. But you know what? I was also kind of hoping that maybe it would go down a little more. <laughs> <And> we, <laughs> no. It has not. Can confirm it has not. So Steve, I feel like in our absence from one another, we've both been consuming a lot of great content. So let's do some A-plus content, my friend, because I have four things on the list for you that I need to share with you. And I'm sure that you have a few for me. So would you like to go first or would you like me to go first? Um, You want to go every other? Yeah, let's do that. Why don't you go first? Because you've got more than me. Yeah. Okay. Let me pull up my list here. I like both of mine a lot, though. I love mine. Okay. First, we'll do one that I know we've both seen. If you haven't seen Luca on Disney mm. Plus, the newest Disney Pixar movie, you absolutely need to see it. It's Phenomenal. about 
a fish boy, a sea monster who turns into a boy who has a, <laughs> a, a thirst for education and he wants to just be accepted by the town and he wants to learn particularly about astronomy. But it's one of those movies and it's, of course, it's based in a sea town in Italy and, you know, there's a lot of hand gestures and a lot of piacere and, I, of course, I love that. But there's something about Disney movies, particularly, I think, the Pixar movies, Steve, that... You're like, oh, I'm enjoying this. This is cute. And then bam, you're sobbing. Bam, mm -hmm. you're crying. It just hits you out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. And you know, I had this dental work today. I had to cancel my my workout. The dentist was like, no, nope, can't work out today. So I called my guy, Paul, up at the NIC. I was like, sorry, can't train today. So I had some time. I'm like, I'm going to watch Luca. I wanted to do that and I need to relax. And the next thing I know, I'm crying, but I can't feel the tears coming down my face because my face is numb. But I highly recommend Luca. It is a beautiful story and it's very well done. I agree. Saw it uh, probably a couple weeks ago with Maddie. I think it's my favorite Pixar movie since Coco, which I thought was fucking awesome. Coco, I think is my favorite Pixar movie of at least the last 10 years or so. Um, and Luca, close second, Story was great. Animation was great. Um, I love what was it? It was a Julia, their friend that was a girl who had red hair, whose dad was a fisherman who had one hand. He was, I thought she was an awesome character. Uh, some of the animated movies, because, you know, we watch a lot now. Sometimes they have these really like in your face messages of inclusiveness and all of the things that we want to be, you know, a better world and whatnot. And I thought this one was good because it was kind of subtle, right? You know, it was about like Luca, he was a fish, right? And he really wanted to be like a boy, like a human boy, right? And, mm -hmm. um, the end, they do a really nice job of summing up inclusion. And the grandmother's line was really funny. Uh, and I don't want to spoil anything, but it was I hysterical. Cried. I cried. Uh, yeah. And so I, I just think they did a really good job of making a great movie, but and also making like a very nice, subtle point about like what life and society and what you should be like as a human. So I think that to me, not only was it an awesome movie and fun to watch and great to look at, but the message behind it wasn't cheesy and cliche. Like it was a genuinely nice thing and they worked it in well. It sneaks up on you. I'm telling yeah. you. But Luca, A plus content. And it was Italian. It was a beautiful Italian fishing village. How could you not love it? And Vespas were involved. Come on. Oh my God. Did I ever tell you what my dream is? Don't a Vespa? Yeah. Okay. My dream is when all of this is done and I can retire and not have to worry about any of this stuff, I want to own, well, if I say trademark out loud, is it trademarked? Like uh, I don't know, actually. Yeah. Air's okay. glue. Okay. This might already exist. Trademarked. Smallman TM. I want to open a flower shop and coffee shop called Beans and Stalks. And I want to drive there every day on my baby blue Vespa. Uh, that is a very, I feel like 2021 thing of you to, to want to do. I feel like everyone's into Vespas now. My buddy Mike just bought a Vespa. My mm -hmm. other buddy Luigi has a Vespa. Luigi, of course, has a Vespa. I know. No, yeah. This was this was Michelle's dream since we're talking like 2011. So much so that my bought me a bunch of Vespa stuff because he knew that that was my dream. And what is Vespa stuff? What did he buy you? Like a, he got like, me like a, a helmet. Oh, yeah. oh, like Vespa branded stuff. Okay, Vespa yeah. branded stuff. Okay. No, no, he was like, "Here's the helmet." If you have yeah, Vespa. here's the seat. He's buying you parts of a Vespa, and you're like, after 10 years, I'll finally be able to put it together. Like Luca, I tried to put it together. Um, no, but. That's what I want. I want to have people pop in and get a latte and a beautiful bouquet for their friend who just had a baby. And then we'll chit chat and they'll go about their day. And then I'll tie my scarf around my head and toot toot out of there. Like toot toot beep beep. Michelle and her baby blue Vespa. I feel like having a Vespa is a personality trait. Oh, she's the Vespa girl. Yeah, she's the girl with the Vespa. But like, there's only certain places where you can have a Vespa. Vespa, not in St. Louis, right? Like I can't take the Vespa on the highway. Well, right? like, 
San Francisco. Yep. That's well, you can. No, you can take it on the highway, I believe. No, I'm saying me personally. You don't want to. Okay, me fair. Personally. Yeah, that's scary as shit. I get that. You probably, I'd probably be in the breakdown lane most of the time. Right. So my lease is up soon and I work from home. So I've been trying to convince Maddie that I don't need a car. And she's like, of course you need a car. Like, what are you talking about? Like, what if I'm not around? You have to do something and I have the car. I'm like, well, I'll just like Uber like or whatever. And then one of my boys like, what did you get a Vespa? And I was like, oh yeah, I could do a Vespa because I don't like go far. But then I'm like, what do I do in the winter? What if it's snowing? Like I can only use a Vespa like seven months of the year. Well, probably more than that, maybe eight, depending on how cold I want to be. So I've, I've kicked around actually getting a Vespa because I don't want a car, but then I'm like, I don't know if that's actually going to be worth the money. So I'm kind of in this conundrum where I don't want a car and a Vespa doesn't really make any sense. So I, I don't really know what to do. I think you should get a Vespa. I think that's a great idea. Mm. Yeah. I really don't go anywhere. I'm kind of like homebody. Uh, so what color would your Vespa be? Mine is baby blue. What is yours? Red? No, I think I'd get a light blue maybe. That's mine, um, baby blue. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I, think, I don't my, I had a brain fart. Oh my God, Steve, should we have a matching baby blue small talk Vespas? I, I feel like the the light blue would is very Euro, you know? 100%. So uh, you can go with white. I know my friend has a white one. I think both my friends have a white ones. Uh, maybe you can go like, super edgy and you have a black one. I've never even seen that before. I would not get red. I'll say that. I would not get red. I think I saw one that looked pretty cheap that was like hunter green. Mm, okay. I'd go blue or white. Yeah. Okay. Noted. Small talk. Coming to a Vespa store. There you go. <laughs> you're home for Vespa talk. You're home for Vespa talk. Okay, you're up. Um, I got to bring this up. You know what? I'm going to bring this up last because it's, we're going to spend more time on it. Did you know that I'm a, a very, very big Lord fan? Like, I love Lord. Love her. I don't think we've ever talked about this. Absolutely love her. Uh, Royals didn't know. Loved it. Uh, my favorite song is Glory and Gore. But I mean, her entire catalog, I think is, is great. I think she's a great musician. And I don't think she gets enough credit for it. And I always wondered if she is what maybe younger people think Billie Eilish is. She's kind of edgy and makes kind of weird songs. But I have been a Lord fan from day one when Royals came out, and I'm still a Lord fan today. So I will say A-plus content, her new song, Solar Power, phenomenal. Go out and listen to it. Absolutely love it. It has some George Michael freedom vibes to it. It has like, this guitar strum to it. It's a very cool summery, chill song. I think you would love it, Michelle. I'm surprised you haven't heard it already, but judging by your reaction. But uh, And her new album, I think, comes out next month so anxiously awaiting it but her first single off this one is solar power great song go listen to it love lord two takes from me lord's melodrama album outstanding uh, the entire album outstanding uh homemade dynamite with oh uh khalid and i forget somebody else is on that is genuinely uh, one of my favorite songs the last couple of years it's post malone and sissa yep there you go unbelievable song and the great remix is, is, is just it takes over the top it's amazing um love that number two i can make the argument that one of the greatest music videos of all time is George Michael Freedom with all the 90s supermodels in it. That is such an iconic music video. Great song, better video. Would it surprise you if I said I, I actually am a very big George Michael fan too? I, I think George Michael is great. I great. love George Michael. He's awesome. I know it's not on brand for me because uh, he's mainstream poppy, I guess, and he's 80s too, which is all things that I don't really like. Uh, George Michael is great and Freedom is a great song. It's an underrated song because it's in commercials now. It's, it's been very commercialized, period. But it's like a seven minute long song too. And it's it's awesome. It, it's one of those songs where if it's on, it puts you in an instantly good mood and you're just like, yeah, George Michael. You just think of like acid wash jeans and like puffy hair and it's great. So uh, yeah, I will buy all your George Michael stock. Sometimes the clothes do not make the man sorority and don't you ever forget it. <laughs> there you go, love that. Okay, coming up next on A Plus Content for me I'm going to go with one of the best books that I've read in years. I started it right before I went to Wyoming and could not put it down. I read 
a huge chunk of it on the plane and was getting up every morning early to make coffee and read it when I was in Wyoming, because I just thought it was so amazing. So it's called three women and it's by Lisa Tadeo. I hope I'm pronouncing her name correctly, but it is nonfiction. It's three true stories about three women. And Lisa wanted to really research the subject of desire, particularly female desire. And so she finds these three women across the country and she tells their stories. So it's one of those books where it's shorter chapters and it's each woman's story. And then as Mm -hmm. the book goes, the stories progress. So without giving too much away, it's about a 17 year old girl in North Dakota who has an affair with her teacher, married Mm -hmm. two kids, North Dakota teacher of the year. It's about a woman who lives in a suburb outside Bloomington, Indiana, marries her college sweetheart, basically, or like a guy that was good enough from college. They have a couple kids. They live in the suburbs and he won't kiss her. He will not touch her. He is done with that. Mm -hmm. And then the other one is uh, kind of a waspy girl who's from New York City, I think, and has all these expectations of who she should marry. And instead, she marries a chef. They move to Newport, Rhode Island. And his kink, for lack of a better term, is that he likes to watch her sleep with other men. Mm. And so the whole thing is chronicling what their role is in desire, what they desire, how to balance what their partner desires, but all the while telling their true life stories on how they adapt to all of this. And it's, it's, it's the smartest and sharpest written book that I've read in a long time. I'm going to take your word for it. Probably going to have to skip it, but it does seem interesting. I mean, the last story alone is kind of wild. I sort of want to know how that goes down, I guess. And maybe I would be interested in the last chapter, but the last story, I should say. It's very juicy. Um, But but I will tell you this. So the one woman, I don't know how much I should reveal in case people want to read it. This doesn't give it too much away. So the woman whose husband won't kiss her unsurprisingly starts having an affair Hmm. and she starts sleeping with this guy that she used to hook up with in high school. Right. And she. Wow. Cliche. Cliche. They hook up in a truck by the river. There you go. Nice. Very Midwestern and very cliche. I thought you were going to say under the bleachers, but no, no, almost, almost, but she loses all this weight and gets her hair done. And she starts taking all these photos, posting them on social media. And she writes in the book. And I posted this to my Instagram story because I was really interested in people's thoughts on this. She writes, I think that everyone posts things on social media with at least one person in mind. And I want to propose that to you because whether it's a photo that you post on Instagram or Facebook or a TikTok dance you make or a tweet that before you fire off, you think, will this person think this is funny? Will this person think this is dumb? Is there a person that you think of when you post something on social media? It's a really interesting point that I had never thought of before, but it's probably true. I don't- and by the, by the way, it could be a revolving door of people. Like one post could be, I think I look hot and I hope this person sees it. Yeah. The tweet could be like, I hope this person thinks it's funny. But when you fire something off, you're usually trying to elicit a response from at least one person, right? See, I think you're right, but I think mine would be a little bit different. So, you know, I always say self-awareness is the most important quality. Sometimes I think I am too self-aware where I get in my own head and I get paranoid about things where I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, are people going to like this? Or am I being too, am I being too nice? Or am I being too, you know, Am I saying sorry too much? I, you know, all that stuff. You're just in your own head and you think you're screwing up. 
I kind of have that effect on social media. And for me, I really only use Twitter. Like I shouldn't say that. I really only post on Twitter. I don't post on Instagram as much as I probably should. When I do, it's usually pictures of my wife or my dogs on vacation. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's not very often. I'm not a volume shooter. Uh, And I don't have, I don't really use Facebook anymore. And I don't really use TikTok other than to look at the videos. So if I'm talking strictly on Twitter, I would probably say... I will type out a lot of tweets that I'll then delete because I'll think in my head, oh, is this going to be cool or so-and-so going to like this? And I think some of it is definitely probably influenced by Rosillo because I like his humor and I try to sort of, would someone like him or his audience like this tweet? You know what I mean? Because that's kind of what also my audience is. Uh, So I guess that it would be, that would be the answer. But for me, it's more like I get in my head about not trying to embarrass myself or not being too boring or also not being what everyone else is always tweeting. Cause that's what Twitter happens to be sometimes too. A big event happens and like a hundred million people tweet the same exact joke and it's not funny and it's not original at all. And that's what I try to be the anti version of. So I'm probably in my head way too much about that. But if I had to say one person, maybe it would be Ryan, his audience of people. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, who would yours be? I don't even know. You post on Instagram more than I do. So who are you posting for on Instagram? I'm, I'm very intrigued. I mean, there'll certainly be people that I think of, oh, I I wonder if they think this picture looks good or will they think this caption's funny or whatever. Captions are very important. I think way too much about captions on Instagram. I'll have pictures that I like and I'll go, I don't like a caption, so I'm not going to post it. Right. You know? I posted a photo when I was in Wyoming and I put let's go girls as the caption. Did you get it? Yep. I left. Shania Twain, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. But I was like, most people think that's funny. Will they get it? Will people get it? I don't know. Because that 290s of me. But I think even to like the greater point, when you go to fire, when you go to hit send or post, there is someone in your mind that you're thinking of. I'm convinced that that theory is true. And you know what's funny? Most people voted no. I put it on a poll on Instagram and most people voted Eh. no. And I think they're lying to themselves. Yeah, I agree. I think they're lying to themselves. I had never thought about that before, but I can see. And you're right. I think it probably changes based on what the post is. Like if you post a semi risque picture, there's a reason you're probably, but you want someone to like that. You're probably thinking whether it's a friend or whether it's somebody that you're interested in. Right. Um, or if you post doing something cool, there's a reason you want the gratification from people in general. I get it. You want the most likes you can get, but there's also probably a couple of people that you really want that to hit home on. Uh, I think people were probably lying about that. Her theory was exactly what you just hit on is that so she was talking about people who live in a city, right? And if you live in the city and then your friend has moved to the country and everything they're posting is like fresh flowers and farm to table and this yeah. and that, and you have a hint of envy about their life, you're posting, oh, look at all these fun yeah. things I'm doing in you're the city. You're subconsciously doing that too sometimes. You're subconsciously being like, nothing beats the city. Look at all these fun things in the city. I and hate You might that not even realize too. though that you're doing it. But I think if you see someone else having a good time, you're like, well, I'm having a good time too. Look at how much fun I'm having. Okay, next one for you. Three women I, recommend I, it. It's very good. I actually, I only had two, but I have one more now that I'm thinking of you. Something just triggered this in oh, my yeah, mind. Right. I forgot and I wanted to bring this up. Uh, I watched this when I was in San Francisco on Netflix. It's called This Is Pop. Have you heard of it? It's a series yeah. where they yeah. examine trends, I guess, in pop music. Um, there's a really good one on Brit on Britpop, which is like Oasis versus um, uh, versus is it the Hives? I think it's the Hives. Uh, anyway, it's, it's it's a good Britpop thing, and I think people like it. There was a good one on country pop, and it had to do with Lil Nas X and how the progression of country pop and pop singers has has sort of evolved throughout time. But the best episode, if you're going to watch one of them, you have to watch this one. It's uh, it's about auto tune. It's oh. really, really interesting. And the and I, I 
Is this the T-Pain clip? This is the T-Pain clip. We and played it on so my show. I was so sad for him. Me. It hooked so me. So for those of you that don't know, I would have never watched the show if I didn't see that clip. So it was incredible marketing by whoever put that together because I was instantly hooked and I wanted to know. So I'm, I'm, I'm scrolling through Twitter and I see this T-Pain thing. I'm like, oh, what is this? I used to love T-Pain. Side note, T-Pain is... Uh, Banned, I believe, from Quinnipiac University for a concert that he did there. Uh, I, he was a little too, you know, I think mean, he got a little too drunk and a little too weird. And they was like, all right, we need you to leave, sir. But it actually kind of explains that because it was in this time period. So the teaser video was him sitting solo, looking directly into the camera. And he was telling a story about how he was on a plane. And it wasn't, I don't think it was a private plane or anything. Cause yeah, I think he was just sitting in a normal, whatever. He's on his way to the he, BET Awards. Yes. And the stewardess or the, the, the flight attendant came up to him and was like, Hey, uh, ushers in the back and wants to talk to you. And T-Pain's like, shit, like I love usher. This is awesome. Like growing up idolizing this guy. I wonder what he wants. Um, maybe he likes my music. So he goes back there and ushers there. And you know, he's like, all right, what's up, dude. And usher was like, Hey man, I just want to let you know that you ruined pop music for real singers. He ruined it. And the clip cuts to him basically being like, and that was, well, I didn't know at the time, but that was what started like a four year depression for me. Mm-hmm. And it, I was like, holy fuck, Usher just said that to his face. Now, the whole thing gets into auto tune and his rise in auto tune, but he really didn't, he wasn't the first one to do auto tune. They get into how Cher, you believe, blah, 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 blah. that song that came out Britney. in 99, Britney's done. So a lot of people have done it, but T Pain is the guy that everyone knows for auto tune. Um, so it's really good. And I highly encourage everyone to watch it if you like music in general, but also because of that really just crazy story that he goes into further detail on. And I was thinking it's a dick move by Usher, but I don't know if he's even wrong. Cause one of the things in the, in the actual, uh, documentary in the episode, there was a music exec who was like, my job went from finding good singers to finding attractive people because I no longer had to find people that were good singers because autotune just fixed all that. So the whole thing is really fascinating even beyond just the you know that that conversation between usher and uh and t-pain but i came out of it loving loving t-pain he was awesome in it he's a really cool dude he's been married for a while seems super fun seems super in like a really good place and he's rich as fuck because he's is the autotune guy so right. highly recommend it it's called this is pop and watch specifically the autotune episode okay i will and one more thing about that clip t-pain says he was on his way to the awards and he was taking a nap he was napping on the yeah, plane that's true and Usher had the, the flight attendant tap, 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 wake up, T-Pain. Usher would like to see you in the back. Awoke from his slumber to have Usher be like, you screwed up music for everybody. Yeah. What a hardo move by Usher. Yeah. And what a D-bag. Like maybe he was right, but that is not the time. You don't wake him up on his way to a <laughs> award show where he needs to be in a great place mentally. He's likely performing and you're like, you ruined it for everybody. Hate you, bye. Go back to your nap. I know and I'm usually into like, brutal honesty. Like, I think that's a good trait to have sometimes. Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of conflicted on this because I think there's an argument to be made that he did. But T-Pain also gets into how he sort of figured out auto-tune and made it his thing. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of creativity that went behind that as well. He was trying to find a new sound and what, what would separate him as a rapper coming out of Tallahassee, Florida. Because, you know, there's like a billion rappers that are coming up, right? And how do you, how you stand out? And auto-tune was basically what he'd used to, to make it big. So like, it's hard to knock him for it. But it's a really, really fascinating story. And now autotune is it's a widely used practice. And as it was even before T-Man, but it's a widely used practice where, you know, you, what used to take days or weeks for, to record an album now takes a day because of autotune. Well, as Jay-Z said, death to autotune. Yeah, DOA. Yep. DOA. Okay, two more from me and I'll move through these quickly. I am obsessed with Allison Roman. She's a chef from the New York Times. She has her own YouTube channel. You should definitely subscribe to it. She does a newsletter. 
I have had her cookbook for years and, you know, kind of dabbled, but someone texted me and was like, I feel like you should be so in on Alison Roman. And I'm like, why do you think that? And they were like, she's just so funny. And she has these videos that are really witty and well done. And she's in her little New York city apartment and she makes these great flavorful dishes. I think you'd really get into her. So I'm like, all right. So I subscribed to the newsletter, Steve, couldn't have been more spot on. Yeah, I'm so into her. I've made, I think, six of her dishes now. I, I do like an Allison dish a week. And they are 10 out of 10 every single time. Do the brown butter salmon. I did the pasta salad. That's more of a salad than a pasta this week. Outstanding. I did her roast chicken with dates and lemons. Oh, my God. I've made it like three times now. She's just such a good chef. But she does these videos that are all, like like what you were just saying almost. It's like a pop-up video where as she's yeah. talking, there's little things that pop up that are a little witty comment or something. And I just find her to be very relatable. And I really like her. And I couldn't recommend her recipes more. I just pulled up her Instagram page. And she has a sticky a picture of this tin of sticky buns that are Cinnamon Toast Crunch inspired. Yes. Uh, and it looks fucking amazing. Because I love a good cinnamon bun. I mean, who doesn't? But I, I love a good cinnamon bun. She knows what's up. If Allison puts out a recipe, guaranteed to be a hit. So if you're looking for something to make one night, if you're going to the grocery store, you're like, I need to be inspired. I haven't made a great dish in a while. I'm telling you, Allison Roman, go for her. Okay, finally, Steve. I've mentioned this to you several times, but I'm now almost through the entire series on Netflix. Why are you not <laughs> watching the F1 show? A plus content. It's yeah, like, no, I know. I know. It is like Allison and three women and Luca combined. That's how into this F1 show I am. I've gotten your wife, Maddie, into mm -hmm. it. Maddie watched it um, on your trip. I was hoping you would watch it with her. Maddie and I were up last night, Steve, until midnight texting about the F1 drivers. We're so into all the drama. We're ranking which ones we <laughs> like. I just I need you to get in on this because I'm now a very much an F1 person. And I was so late to the game, but we're here now and we're enjoying the party. No, I mean, I'll bring up the Rosillo pod again. So we do a new segment called uh, Going Abroad, which is Kevin Clark talking F1 and me talking about the Euros. Uh, so and it has cheesy Eastern European music under it. It's very funny. Uh, highly recommend it. But I have not gotten into it yet. I've been really on a deep dive of both the Euros and the NBA playoffs. I've been busy. I've had lots of shit to do watching stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Once that's over, I'll take the dive into F1. I'll do it. Maddie did watch it on the plane. I didn't want to watch it on the plane. I didn't really, I just, I don't know. I wasn't in the mood for it. I wanted to watch something that wasn't sports related. And mm -hmm. I watched two things on the plane that you're going to laugh at. Okay, tell me. Uh, I rewatched Tenet which I'm pumped I did because it was fucking awesome. I said that the first time I was like, I, I love this movie the first time, but I know I'm going to love it the more I watch it. And I was 100% correct. And I also rewatched Dunkirk, which is also fucking awesome. Uh, so what's up? I watched two Christopher Nolan movies because I don't know. I just didn't want to start a new show on a plane. I'm a big movie guy. I'm playing out a show guy too. Yeah, I didn't know if I was going to be able to finish it and that would annoy me. So I will get into it. Maddie watched season one. She loves it. I, I fully understand. Everyone who watches it is obsessed with it. And now they start waking up at 5 a.m. to watch races in Monaco. So I'm fully aware of it. I just, just give me a little bit of time. Give me until like maybe August and I'll be in. Just so you know, you're getting up early to watch soccer on the weekend. Maddie and I have a coffee date to watch our very first F1 race together. That's fine. I'm concerned that I'll think the race is boring, but we're going to give it a shot because we're so into our no. guy. We both are big Daniel Ricardo girls. So we got everybody watch is. We got to watch Danny. Yeah, everybody is. But I will say struggling. he's been struggling. I, I Googled him to see how he's been this year to get some background so that I would be caught up when I watched the race. 
Our boy Danny not been performing since hmm. he went to McLaren and our number one enemy, Max Verstappen, killing it. And I'm oh, very upset. Wait, Verstappen's the enemy? I thought everybody liked Verstappen too, no? N- not when you watch the show. If oh, I'm sorry. First, if you watch the show and you like Max Verstappen, I don't know if I like Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I, mean, I don't know what I'm talking about, obviously. No, uh, no, he's he's the best. He's the best this year, and he's likely gonna be the champion. I go like I said, I've been reading up on it. But he and Daniel Ricardo Steve were both racing for Red Bull. And when you're on the same team, you have the same machine. There's a hierarchy, so, right? So, well, but you're also, you're driving the same car. So if you suck that day and your teammate does well, it's like, why didn't you do better? Because they have the same car. Yeah. And Max Verstappen and Damian Ricardo were enemies. And Max was the guy that was coming up. Red Bull gave him a big contract. And Daniel Ricardo said, I'm leaving and I'm going somewhere else. He went to Renault. Now he's with McLaren. But Everyone was saying that he ran from a fight because he knew Max was going to end up being the guy that was going to eclipse him. And now it looks like that prophecy has come true because Mm. Max is number one in the world, Daniel struggling. And so, you know, I don't know if it was a mistake for him to leave Red Bull. It looks like it was, but I don't know how that would be when you were one time the champion and now this guy's the champion. So I understand where he was coming from and we're team Danny all the way, whatever, whatever our boy decides to do, we will support him. But when Max comes for Daniel, he's on my shit list. So we don't like Max Verstappen. All of this drama and gossip sounds amazing, but I want to get back to you waking up early and maybe not being as into it. There is just something about watching sports early in the morning with coffee and maybe like some croissant or like a Danish or some nice pastry, breakfast True. pastry. There's I just know. something so peaceful yeah. and awesome. I tell you, it's my favorite part of every week is waking up early and watching soccer. So even if you don't like it, I think you're just gonna like the overall experience of watching okay. something European sporting wise on television and having a coffee and hanging out. But I did that with my foxes. Okay. Like I've, I've had that experience. I know that's, that's true. great. And with soccer, it's evolving, right? Things are moving. I've never been a NASCAR girl. I'm just kind of concerned that I'm going to get up. I'm going to have my coffee. Maddie and I are going to be on FaceTime. We're going to be like, yeah, here we go. F1. And then it's just a car going in a circle. So we'll see. I could be proven wrong. I have a feeling that's what's going to happen too. But it's very exciting, but we're going to try this weekend. So TBD, you'll find out if we're actually F1 girls or if we're Netflix F1 girls. Well, I will be in the background of you two FaceTiming. So I'll, I will experience that with you and report back to the next pod. Okay, I will see you this weekend then. But before we go, Steve, let's get to a review, shall we? Uh, I love this one from Mikey K. that says, best pod ever, five stars. It says, thanks for being my best friends that I've never met. Love you both. Shell emoji. Short but sweet. Guy after my own heart. I love that. I appreciate it. And I think we've said this a million times, but that's the cool thing about the pod is we just talk about shit that that is interesting to us and just kind of basically bullshit for like an hour a week. And people seem to really enjoy it and feel like we're a part of whatever friendship group they have. So uh, it's a really cool feeling. I'll say that. Thank you, Mikey K. Yeah, that's the whole point. I hear from a lot of people um, that like the pod that they talk with us on their in their cars or on their walks or wherever they consume their podcast. And that's the whole point is we want you to feel like you're sitting with us and having fun. So I'm glad that you feel like we're your friends. Um, well, Steve, it's great to see you again. Sorry I know you too. So yeah, hope, hopefully, uh, hopefully things uh, calm down a little <laughs> bit. Hope you can start feeling your face again. Hopefully uh, by next week, we're back up on YouTube. Yeah. And what bad timing. Like I couldn't have gotten this done when we were off for a week. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's all but right. um, Steve and I will hopefully be back in action again next week. I'm leaving. Steve, this is a little behind the curtain. I'm leaving on Thursday to go to Miami. So if we're going to tape next week, clear your calendar early <laughs> because I'm going to Miami, bitch. So right. we got to get it done. Um, but thank you for listening. We will be back in action next week. But until then, catch Steve and I on our Vespas. 
and let T-Pain live. Thanks for listening to Small Talk. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or the Podcast One app.